I'm Paul from Thirst Counselling and welcome to a Thirst Counsellor podcast, a series of blogs, readings and audio meanderings through the world of mental health and well-being. Hello there, welcome to episode 12 of Thirst Counsellor podcasts and today we're going to be looking we're going to continue to look at the five ways to well-being. Um, in last week's episode, I talked about connect, uh, about how important it is for us to connect, for us to communicate, spend time talking with people, and not just online, not just through, um, you know, in a virtual way or through text messages, but to actually really connect. Um, you know, I spoke about how I rung my brother up out of the blue. Um, because I was aware we hadn't spoken to each other for so long, you know, seven years, um, without an actual word to each other. You know, so I called him up and we, we had a chat and um and I, I gotta be honest, it felt great to catch up. Um I also talked about, you know, the the difference between messaging my best friend on WhatsApp um and the, the, the depth of conversation that happens when we're face-to-face, when we, you know, I go over for geek night and we, we sit down for three, four hours till two, three o'clock in the morning just talking um, about everything. Stuff that matters and stuff that does not matter. Um, but it's all important and, you know, it just helps grow, develop and cement that that, that bond that we have. Um and I talked about how important it is uh, that we, you know, we do meet with people and sit down and have a coffee and, and really talk about things. And it doesn't have to be about big topics. It can be about the football. It can be about a book that you've read. Um, but it's important that we connect. Um, today, I want to look at another one of the ways uh, to well-being, one of the five ways. And... In, in this week's episode, I want us to look at taking notice about how important it is that we take notice. You know, we become so transfixed by the world around us and by what's going on um, on our mobile phones or on television um, that we, we miss out on so much. So I'd like to explore that uh, a little bit deeper and a little bit further. On the NHS Mood Zone page, where they talk about the five ways to well-being, around taking notice, they talk about mindfulness. How mindfulness helps mental well-being. Becoming more aware at the present moment can help us enjoy the world around us and understand ourselves better. When we become more aware of the present moment, we begin to experience afresh things that we have been taking for granted. Mindfulness also allows us to become more aware of the stream of thoughts and feelings that we experience, says Professor Williams, and to see how we can become entangled in that stream in ways that are not helpful. This lets us stand back from our thoughts and start to see their patterns. Gradually, we can train ourselves to take notice when our thoughts are taken over and realise that thoughts are simply mental events that do not have to control us. 
Most of us have issues that we find hard to let go and mindfulness can help us deal with them more productively. We can ask, is it trying to solve this by a brooding about it helpful or am I just getting caught up in my thoughts? Awareness of this kind also helps us notice signs of stress or anxiety earlier and help us deal with them better. Mindfulness is recommended by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, or NICE, as a way to prevent depression in people who have had three or four more bouts of depression in the past. And you can see the NICE guidelines on depression in adults on the website. How to be more mindful. Reminding yourself to take notice of your thoughts, feelings, body sensations and the world around you is a first step to mindfulness. So notice the everyday. Even as we go about our daily lives, we can notice a sensation of things, the food we eat, the air moving past the body as we walk, says Professor Williams. All this may sound very small, but it has a huge power to interrupt the autopilot made that we often engage day to day and to give us a new perspective on our life. It talks about keeping it regular. It can be helpful to pick a regular time, the morning journey to work, or a walk at lunchtime, during which you can decide to be aware of the sensations created by the world around you. Try something new. Try new things such as sitting in a different seat in a meeting, or going somewhere new for lunch can also help you notice the world in a new way. Watch your thoughts. Some people find it very difficult to practice mindfulness. As soon as they stop what they are doing, Lots of thoughts and worries crowd in, says Professor Williams. It might be useful to remember that mindfulness isn't about making these thoughts go away, but rather about seeing them as mental events. Imagine standing at a bus station and seeing thought buses coming along and going without having to get on them and be taken away. This can be very hard at first, but with gentle persistence it is possible. Some people find that it is easier to cope with an over-busy mind if they are doing gentle yoga or walking. Name thoughts and feelings. To develop an awareness of thoughts and feelings, some people find it helpful to silently name them. Here's the thought that I might fail that exam, or this is anxiety. Free yourself from the past and the future. You can practice mindfulness anywhere but it can be especially helpful to take a mindful approach if you realise that, for several minutes, you've been trapped in reliving past problems or pre-living future worries. Different mindfulness practices. As well as practising mindfulness in daily life, it can be helpful to set aside time for a more formal mindfulness practice. Mindfulness meditation involves sitting silently, paying attention to thoughts, sounds, the sensation of breathing or parts of the body, bringing your attention back whenever your mind starts to wander. Yoga and Tai Chi can also help with developing awareness of your breathing. Visit the Mental Health Foundation's website for an online mindfulness course or details of mindfulness teachers in your area. Mindfulness isn't the answer to everything and it's important that our enthusiasm doesn't run ahead of the evidence, says Professor Williams. There's encouraging evidence for its use in health, education, prisons and workplace but it's important to realise that research is still going on in all of these fields. Once we have the results we'll be able to see more clearly who mindfulness is most helpful to. 
there's a lot of information on on the internet uh, and also on the NHS website. I'll put a link in to this particular reading, which can help you explore further aspects of the five ways to well-being. Today I'd like to share another book with you by my favourite writer who I've spoken about previously, Chris Yates. Um, and with the theme of you know taking notice, uh, I wanted to share a slightly different book from the kind of things that he's written previously. He usually writes about his angling, about barbell, about carp fishing. Uh, but in 2012 he wrote a book called Nightwalk. A journey into the heart of nature and this was quite simply a book about going for a walk at night um, and I'll stop by reading an excerpt from it last light the two trees seemed to stand more dominantly on the hill now that the sun had just set a gang of young rooks almost landed in them a moment ago spinning round the topmost branches and shouting frantically. Perhaps they'd spotted a waking owl, or maybe they were thinking of startling New Republic. But after a few overhead sweeps, they realised it was getting late and headed off home to their rookery. It's not really late, though. The clock may be saying almost 9.30, but with the light sinking so slowly, there would be plenty of time to savour this pot of tea and still begin my walk before dark. I prefer to set off on a walk at dusk. Not only can the eyes adjust more effectively than if I stepped directly into full darkness from a lit room, I like the way my familiar surroundings are differently transformed by the twilight as I walk through them. Some things melt into the background, others remain solidly fixed yet reveal surprising new identities. Also, there is sometimes an interesting meeting between diurnal and nocturnal nature, like when early bats and late swallows swoop together or a hare is startled by a badger. It's published by HarperCollins and it is a, a tremendous book. It quite simply charts um, an evening. And I believe it was written and, and collected from a number of nighttime walks. But he would go out at night, just as it was starting to get dark, and set off on a walk. And just take notice take notice of the things that he saw and the things that he heard and as a naturalist he was able to discern different bird calls and discern the different scuttlings amongst the hedgerows and because of his, uh, his prowess as an angler he could walk quietly, silently, soft-footedly so as not to disturb you know, the various creatures and throughout the entire book it is a uh, a beautiful poem to nature. Uh, it's an enthralling read. Um, it's a very simple read. It's written in his poetic style and it really does kind of take your attention and it takes you on this walk with him. Um, so that's Night Walk by Chris Yates. A journey 
to the heart of nature. It's uh, the afternoon on the 2nd of February and I'm out walking my dog and I thought I'd take a moment to uh, to take notice of what's going on around me. I'm currently listening to the sounds of my Kelly kettle which is boiling some water for a, uh, a well-deserved cup of coffee. And I'm very much aware of how quiet it is right now. I can hear traffic in the distance and I can hear the the, the wood burning away. And, and the smell, the smell of the wood burning is um, very evocative of being outside and childhood days of camping. Uh, it's a very peaceful time. My lovely Labrador is wandering around, having a sniffle around to see what he can smell. I'm aware of the cold, cold wind that's blowing. But it's not too cold, it's it's quite relaxing really. Um, and it, and it's, it's a very good way of kind of getting, you know, comfortable with nature and being one with nature. I'm also aware of of how different the landscape looks at the moment. The birds which are swooping around looking for, for worms and that seem to be mainly seagulls. Um, but it's a very kind of relaxing time. Um, and I recommend anyone to just take five minutes out of your life and to just go out there regardless of what's going on and take notice. This week's quote comes from the father of counselling, Carl Rogers. The only reality I can possibly know is the world as I perceive it at this moment. The only reality you can possibly know is the world as you see it at this moment. And the only certainty is that those perceived realities are different. There are as many real worlds as there are people. So, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, taking notice is something that we can do all through our day. It doesn't have to be anything grand or anything great. It can be something really simple. We can take notice of the information that we read, whether it be an email, a text message, or a book or a newspaper article. We can take notice when we're in the car driving to work. Take our foot off the pedal, slow down a little bit. Instead of focusing on whether or not you need to overtake the next car, hang back. Maybe have a, an opportunity to look at the scenery. 
I like to go for a coffee sometimes on my own and and I'll get something a little bit special, double macchiato, so I can enjoy the aroma, enjoy the taste. We spend so much time focusing on what we haven't done or what we need to do. We forget to take a little bit of time to think about where we are right now. Because this moment is all we have. Because this moment goes so quickly, it's gone like that, and that, and that. This is where we are. We're in the here and now. And yet we worry so much about the past and, and so much about the future. It's not easy to do in our fast-paced, fast-food world. You know, where we're, we're so busy, wrapped up in, in everything that's going on. We forget to take that time and find a little bit of peace, to breathe, to see. So walk your dog and look at what you can see, what you can hear, what you can smell. Um, when you go for your lunch, take your time, amble, let's not rush. And if we can put that little bit of effort into taking our time and taking notice, we can improve the quality of our day. So simply. In the next episode, we will look at another one of the five ways to well-being. We're going to look at keep learning. We're going to look at the different ways in which we can learn. We can keep challenging the old grey matter, as Poirot used to say. And here we are at the outro. I'd like to thank everyone who's listened. Um, it's nice to see that there's people downloading it and listening to the to the podcast. Uh, uh, gives me a reason to kind of keep going. Uh, if you if you like what I'm saying or you have any ideas or any topics, you can in- email me at info at firstcounseling.co.uk or alternatively, you can tweet me at t underscore counselling at t underscore counselling I'll be back uh, in another episode talking about some other aspects of mental health and well-being Uh, please feel free to review this on your podcast app and uh, give it a couple of stars Uh, and if you want to share it with other people and if you think other people might be interested please feel free to do that Um, thanks very much for listening Sincerely yours, a First Counselor. There used to be a saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We realise now that that's not the case with modern findings around neuroscience and neurochemistry. We recognise that the brain isn't something that stops learning. With progress in neuroplasticity, we recognise that we can still form and make those connections in our brain. And actually, the more that we do that, the more that we learn, the more we can engage with new things, with new ideas. And it helps keep our brain active. 
You see, I've never been particularly academic. I found school a very difficult place. I always struggled around numbers, uh, and, I, and I still struggle with numbers today. I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder just last year, so for me, sitting in a classroom environment is something that I've always found incredibly difficult. I find it difficult sitting in a meeting today. My learning style is a lot more visual and a lot more kinesthetic. I have to be engaged with with the topic, with what it is, physically as well as visually. So being in a classroom is not the best experience for me. As an adult, I've engaged in learning. I trained as a counsellor. And counselling was a very different way of learning, although there were lectures. There was also opportunities to put things into practice. They would ask for volunteers. So I would always put myself forward because once they talked about a theory which I would struggle with, they would then say, right, can we have a volunteer to come forward? So I'd come forward. And the activity would demonstrate the learning and that was something that would embed so much more easier in me. I always loved reading as a child and I still love reading stories. I love reading books. Um, But we know that today for me, you know, with my family and my job, finding the opportunity to sit down and read books is a lot more difficult. You know, I don't seem to have as much time. But we have so much access now to books in, in different formats. We can, we can read a book uh, online. We can read an e-book or we can listen to an audio book. Uh, in the car, quite often I'll download audio books in the library and listen to them in the car or listen to audio dramas. So there's some different ways in which I can learn. And also podcasts. Podcasts are a great way of learning. As I talked about in the ad, I really like podcasts. There's so many different subjects out there. They're accessible, they're available on mobile devices. I can download them and listen to them in my own time when I'm out walking the dog or when I'm out driving on a long journey. And there are a number of really great podcasts that I enjoy listening to. Uh, Some are purely for entertainment value and some of them are because they have a lot of knowledge base. The Infinite Monkey Cage, which is a Radio 4 program, uh, is a superb example of great ways to learn about philosophy and different ideas around science and around the world. Other podcasts you know, that, I've, that I've mentioned in that, like um, Science-ish, which is a podcast around movies and science and that they've used the hook of science fiction films to explore some of the scientific underpinnings of the film and whether or not they're relevant today or whether or not they ever held any weight and there's a lot of research that goes in around that another great podcast for me is the counseling tutor podcast when i came back to counseling i i found this podcast a free podcast which explores the world of counselling and psychotherapy um, with fabulous content and really, really good um, theoretical underpinnings. And it it was a great opportunity for me to learn um, in in a way that was digestible for me in my time. So 
there are lots of different ways in which we can engage with with learning through podcasts as well as through as through books but there's also online courses you can do now you can do lots of early online courses you can engage in a in a a style of learning that again suits the individual you can do it at your own pace in your own way and that can be really beneficial for people but you don't always have to learn academic stuff it's not about academic learning it's about doing something different doing something new this year I decided to find out a little bit more about uh, the subject that I'm most interested in, which is fishing. So I wanted to find out about some of the more traditional approaches to fishing. So I I learned how to make my own fishing floats. Uh, I made my fishing floats from goose quills, searched it up on the internet and handmade my own floats. You know, I, I learned a little bit about how to make, um, get old bamboo fishing rods and re-whip them, and that to put the rod rings on. You know, and again, it was a, it's an old traditional uh, approach to angling uh, that I didn't know how to do, but now, now I can do it. Even learning to fish, when I first learned to fish, learned how to tie hooks on. Um, it was, a, it was, it was something new for me to learn. And something that I then became really infused about. One of my goals for this year is to start fly fishing. So I'm planning on booking myself on a, a, a day's introduction to fly fishing where I'll learn how to cast and I'll learn about the, the entomology of the various flies that you can use when fishing on a river. There are lots of different ways to keep learning. The NHS Mood Zone talks about the five ways to well-being and they say learning new skills can be useful but research shows it can also improve our mental well-being doesn't have to mean getting more qualifications there are lots of different ways to bring learning into your life many of us associate learning with childhood or our student days as adults it can seem as though we have less time or need to learn new things but evidence shows us that continuing to learn throughout life can improve and maintain our mental well-being mental well-being means feeling good about yourself and the world around you and being able to get on with life in a way that you want learning can boost self-confidence and self-esteem build a sense of purpose and help us connect with others So how can learning help your well-being? Research shows that learning throughout life is associated with greater satisfaction and optimism and improved ability to get the most from life. People who carry on learning after childhood report higher well-being and a greater ability to cope with stress. They also report more feelings of self-esteem, hope and purpose. Setting targets and hitting them can create positive feelings of achievement. Learning often involves interacting with other people. This can also increase our well-being by helping us build and strengthen social relationships. And you can keep learning in lots of different ways. If you want to make learning a bigger part of your life, it helps to think about learning in the broader sense. Classes and formal courses are great ways to learn new things, but there are lots of other ways too. You can learn to cook a favourite dish that you've never eaten at home. 
one of the things that I learned to do was how to make sourdough bread. I googled it, it was really, really quite simple. Uh, and when I made the culture and I started watching it grow and bubble as I fed it, and then I made my first sourdough bread. And, and it was a very, very simple thing, but the bread was the best tasting bread I'd ever had. Or you could visit a Galileo museum and learn about a personal period in history that interests you. You only need to look into your own hometown and find out a little history about that. Take on a new responsibility at work. You know that broken bike or garden gate? Why not see if you can fix those? Set yourself a little DIY project. Lots of free video tutorials online. Or sign up for that course that you've been meaning to do at a local night school. Or maybe rediscover an old hobby that challenges you. The link for this particular um, part of the five ways to well-being I'll put in the show notes. Remembering that you can learn any little thing to make a difference to your life, you know, it, it's going to be beneficial to you. It's going to give you a sense, uh, a sense of pride, because that fishing rod that I re-whipped, those goose quill floats that I made. I've taken them out fishing and you know I've caught fish on them out of something that I did out of something that I made so set yourself a little task set yourself a little goal a little smart goal you know of of something that you're going to learn this year or this month this week or just for today 